Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you are chiming in on the live stream. I hope that you're home and safe and warm. But thank you for chiming in here this morning as we are kicking off our Christmas season and celebration here at New Hope Community Church with a news series called Christmas Uncut, the editor's edition. And we are going to be looking at the variety of stories in the Christmas story. And during this, we are going to be lighting a candle on what's called the Advent wreath every week, and we are going to have individuals or families read a story that pertains to the Christmas story. The word Advent means the coming or this anticipation of what is to come. And so every week we are going to be focusing on a particular story of the bigger Christmas story. Now, I don't know about you, but recently I went to a movie, and the movie I went to was the one called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the story of Mr. Rogers. And I really would like to challenge everybody at New Hope, regardless of if you are young or old, if you've never even heard of Mr. Rogers, to go and watch that movie. I'm not going to wreck the storyline, but all I'm going to say to you is that it pertains incredibly to each one of our lives, especially when it comes to our relationships. So honestly, I implore you, go to that movie. You will enjoy it, and it will be good for each of you to go. But my wife and I went, and we enjoyed the movie. Now, as you go to movies or watch a movie, including a lot of the Christmas movies that you'll see this season, you are seeing the edited version of the movie. Now, not all the scenes that were filmed will be shown, right? It's not until the movie is released to the public that you are able to watch, maybe for home viewing, the uncut director's edition the scenes that were left out, meaning probably the bloopers. When we watch the uncut director's edition, we get to see behind the scenes of what is going on and what maybe a little bit of the more story there is than what actually ends up in the movie. Now, all the scenes that are displayed in the Bible when it comes to the Christmas story is very similar to the uncut, uncut director's edition, meaning God didn't leave out anything. He put in the whole story directly. And in reality, if we fail to open the Bible this Christmas, we would only really receive the world's edited edition of what they think Christmas is. Or maybe today we won't get the real picture of Christmas at all. You know, leading up to Christmas season, there are always movies that play off of the Christmas story or theme 
in order to hopefully have big box office hits. You know, we all already have heard of the Frozen 2 that came out, right? We have Elsa and Anna that go outside of Annandale and, you know, go on their great adventure. There's the movie called The Night Before Christmas, the K-N-I-G-H-T, where this gal gives up on ever finding her shiny knight in armor, but yet right before Christmas, he shows up. There's the movie Noel, where it's about Santa's daughter who has to come back home and she ends up taking over the family business, right? Running Christmas. There's the story of Santa Girl. Again, Santa's daughter who is off to college, but she only gets a semester in at college and she's called out because she has to come home and take care of business. There's a cute animation called Claws. And it's the story of how one act of kindness led to another act of kindness and mended many relationships over Christmas. And then you always have your typical hallmark Christmas story. This one, I believe, this year is called Right Before Christmas, W-R-I-T-E, Before Christmas. Now, the plot is the same as the last 10 Christmases. I think typically this beautiful woman is going through a small town. Her engine blows up in her car. A nice man comes along to push it off the road and help her, and they live happily ever after, right? Typical Hallmark movie. Now, Hollywood promotes early on these movies with previews so that these movies will build in us this anticipation or this curiosity of what is going to become. These previews are to give us this advanced idea or this impression of something good is going to come. It is to build in us the desire to obviously go to the movie. By far, Christmas is one of the most exciting times of the year. The word that probably best describes the whole of Christmas is the word anticipation. Within all of us, young and old, there is this looking forward to that sort of bubbles up inside of us as Christmas draws near. Most of us who are over the age of 20, or like myself, a lot over the age of 20, have fond memories of earlier Christmases. In our house growing up just outside of Madison, Wisconsin, my dad used to dress up as Santa Claus, and he used to go out on Christmas Eve into the neighborhood, and he used to go to all my friends' homes and used to hand out their presents from under the tree. And myself and my eight siblings had to stay down in our basement until later that night my dad got home. And so there was this incredible anticipation of when we would hear the door open upstairs and and we would hear my dad's footsteps across the, the floor, knowing that it's our time. It's our time to get our presents and open them up Christmas Eve. You know, right now, our homes and our neighborhoods and our communities are filled with this great anticipation, and we're all experiencing it together. What other time of the year do we all 
shop for similar things online or in the stores. We eat the same food. We listen to the same music. We tend to watch the same shows. I mean, these experiences are like previews, giving us this advanced idea or impressions of what Christmas Eve and Christmas will be like. This anticipation of Christmas isn't something new. As Hollywood promoters preview Christmas movies to build anticipation before they go public, so God previewed the birth of his son, Jesus, building anticipation before he went public. Not a couple of months prior to him being born, but actually 700 years before the first Christmas. In the Old Testament, we read God's prophets who spoke of Jesus' coming. One Sunday, in Sunday school, a teacher began her lesson by asking the class if they knew what a prophet was. Well, little Donnie was showing his farming experience and wisdom and gave her this answer. Well, a prophet is when you buy a lamb for 42 cents a pound and later on you sell it for 69 cents a pound. I mean, that was his view of a prophet. Now, God's prophet boldly foretold or previewed the details concerning the first Christmas. It's wonderfully amazing how accurate God's prophets were when it came to predicting the specifics of Jesus' birth. We humans, on the other hand, are not so good at predicting the future. The book, The World's Worst Predictions, lists some of history's all-time prophetic goofs. An official of the White Star Line, speaking of the firm's newly built flagship, the Titanic, built in 1912, declared that the ship was what? Unsinkable. In 1939, the New York Times said that the problem with television is that nobody will be able to glue their eyes to it during the day. They'll be too busy. But yet today, we watch up to five hours of TV on average per day, right? Thomas Watson, chairman of IBM in 1943, said, I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. Yet just the other day, I was walking through the tech area in Walmart, and there were computers lined up, some for under $200. Amazing. The popular mechanics magazine followed this up and in 1949 stated that they believed that the future of computers, they'll be able to get the weight down to 1.5 tons for a computer, which is actually sort of funny because I believe that 1980, when I went off to college at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, I think the computer in our dorm was actually 1.5 tons because every computer had, every dorm, I mean, had one computer in it. 
And so you had to go downstairs. It was about twice the size of my bedroom. It had one computer in it and one keyboard in the corner. And you had to sign up ahead of time to go use the computer. (laughs) How times have changed, right? How predictions have changed. I mean, since their 1969 NFL championship, Minnesota Vikings have made the prediction that they would win the Super Bowl every year. I mean, so, I mean, how off are we when it comes to predictions? So you contrast these poor forecasts of man with the success of the uncut previews by the prophets of God. God's prophets foretold Jesus. The Old Testament contains over 400 prophecies about the coming Messiah. Jesus Christ perfectly fulfilled every one of those prophecies. At Christmas time, we see some of the greatest fulfillments of the previews of Jesus, and the main one being his birth. Isaiah 7:14 says, "The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son." And we'll call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us, God incarnate in the flesh. He is with us. We read in Matthew chapter 1 that an angel of the Lord came to Joseph, who was engaged to be married to Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus. And Joseph, it says, was going to silently divorce Mary. Now, they weren't technically married at this time, but in that culture, if you were even engaged, technically, because you have made that commitment to that person, you are considered married. And so when Joseph heard the news that Mary was pregnant, he was going to divorce her silently. But God sends an angel to him, and this is what it says in Matthew 1, 22 through 25. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, back in Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. We see as well in Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Again, in the Old Testament, hundreds of years prior to Jesus' birth in Micah 5.2, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule, be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. We see as well, as we read in Matthew chapter 2, after Jesus' birth, King Herod hears that there has been a birth of a king of the Jews. 
And so he gathers the religious leaders or those who knew the law, the scriptures, who knew the prophecies and asked about where this king would be born. And then he called the Magi and talked to the Magi about the star that appeared in the sky and sent them to find out the specific place of Jesus' birth. Why? Because King Herod wanted to kill Jesus because during that time, that culture, no king wanted the birth of another potential king to cause conflict with their kingship. But we read in Scripture that God, through a vision with all three Magi, wise men, came to them and sent them elsewhere, warning them not to go back and tell Herod where Jesus was born. Jesus' location of his birth and to whom he was born is just two previews of the 400 previews or prophecies about Jesus. Think about the odds of one single man fulfilling every prediction about the coming Messiah, the Savior of the world. Now, if we only took eight previews or prophecies, what is the probability of eight of those being fulfilled by any one person? The probability is 100 quintillion. So how do we get to quintillion? Here's the sequence. We have a million, we have a billion, then we have a trillion, and then we have a quadrillion, and then you get to quintillion. And the probability of one person fulfilling even just eight of the 400 prophecies about Jesus, it is said to be 100 quintillion. Now, Lee Strobel, who used to be an atheist, but now a Christ follower, performed some calculations to try to figure out what would this really look like in real life. He said, I imagined a one and a half inch square tile, white, covering all seven continents of the world. These small one and a half inch white tiles. And out of all those white tiles, just underneath one would be painted red. Then I would take one person and I'd give them a lifetime to walk all seven continents. But at some point they had to reach down and only pick up one tile. What is the probability that they would pick up the one tile with the red painting underneath it? The probability would be a 100 quintillion. The probability that a person could fulfill eight of the 400 prophecies of Jesus. Yet we see Jesus fulfill them. You see, God didn't cut out, edit any of the 
prophecies of his son Jesus, nor their fulfillment. He's used some of these as a preview of the coming of his son Jesus, our Savior. But what we must realize is this Christmas season, we celebrate the first coming as we celebrate Jesus' birth. But for every one prophecy of his first coming, Christmas, there are eight prophecies about his second coming. And so we see that the Christmas story is not the end. So what does this mean for us? If God previews and has these predictions and these previews for his son Jesus and a plan for his son, could he possibly have previews for our specific life as well? Since he knew the details of his son's life, could maybe he know the details of our life? We read in Proverbs 16:4, the Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for the day of disaster. We see in Jeremiah 29:11, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I love what the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You know, as we enter this Christmas season, I want you to recognize that God knows you, that God has purposed your life. That in Psalm 139, it says he knows when we sit and when we stand. He knows our thoughts from afar. He knows the next word that is going to come off of our lips. And just as he was intimate in foretelling about who his son would be and what his son would do. God is just as much interested in your life. And so get the bigger picture of Christmas. That it's about Jesus, but it's also about you. God coming as Emmanuel, God with us, to be in relationship with us. And so I encourage you to walk in relationship with him this Christmas season and for the rest of your life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us and that the picture of Christmas is a picture of that love.
that you love the world, that you gave your only son, who came at Christmas, lived among us, and died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with you and walk in relationship with you for this life and for eternity. And so thank you for the uncut version, for keeping it all in your word that we can read and see and that we can be reminded on how much you love us and you sent Jesus for us so that you can be in relationship with us. In your good name, amen.